It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Gardening on C103 with Bandon Co-op Garden Centres in Bandon, Kinsale and Enniskeen. For top quality plants, advice and value, think Bandon Co-op Garden Centres. C103. And Peter Dowdle, theirishgardener.com, uh, joining me for our gardening slot uh, this afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. And just the weather is just lifting everybody's spirits. And I can see by the amount of questions in, uh, this really is a great time to be out and about in the garden, isn't it? Didn't I tell you it was coming and yeah. we're, we're in for six months of it? Uh- Okay, in my world anyway in my world anyway and we certainly will stick with that let's get straight into the questions please Uh, Kay says is it too late to sow wild flower seeds if not where can the boxes of if if not where can I purchase boxes of seeds okay well you're you're too late and too early if you like so the the best time to sow wild flower seeds is either March April or September October I'd say September would be your best times to do it um, I w- certainly wouldn't put any seed out, grass seed or, land- or wildflower seed or anything like that during this gorgeous weather. Uh, so w- hold off now till September. Um, you would buy wildflower seed in a blatant plug for my own store, theirishgardener.com. We do a selection uh, of native and other mixes on it. Uh, and most garden centres now, though, do, do mixes of, of wildflower seeds. Um, but yeah, hold off till September, I'd say, before sowing. Okay, Lisa says, hi, uh, Patricia. Could you ask Peter, what is the best thing to kill ivy? It's knotting around old trees and killing them. And is ivy related to knotweed? Okay, no, ivy isn't at all related to knotweed. Ilex is a plant called Hedera, Hedera helix, and, and knotweed is, Japanese knotweed is, is completely different. Um, the, the ivy isn't killing your tree. Even if it is growing up the tree, it's not killing it. Now, ivy is a very important plant from the biodiversity point of view. It feeds birds with the berries and its flowers are very important for bees. However, even though it's not killing your trees, what it does do is it it, um, creates more wind resistance in the tree. So if you can imagine the crown of a deciduous tree, Trish, any mature beech tree or oak tree or any tree at all, well, nature being the wonder that nature is, those trees are designed perfectly from an aerodynamical point of view to withstand very high winds. They just go through the framework of branches. But if you start interfering with that, or if ivy starts to interfere with that, uh, so when the tree should be naked of leaves, if you like, during the winter months, it now has uh, quite a substantial canopy, let's say, of evergreen foliage from the ivy. 
well that interferes with the design and it just leads to much more wind resistant and makes the tree much more susceptible to coming down in high winds so ivy isn't good on trees from that point of view so uh, the best thing to do in that situation really isn't to try and kill it it's just to, to, to go out and cut it so you cut it uh, at the base if you like so cut it at the base of the tree and what that will do is uh, everything above where you've cut obviously then will just die off now obviously bits of it if it's a very mature tree bits of it may have rooted into like crevices you know in old trees trees where you see crevices and bits of soil and debris have got it could be rooting in that uh, but nine times out of ten if you just cut the ivy down at the base of the tree it will die off you don't have to physically remove it Okay, apple trees. Kristen from Moy. Could you ask Peter, please? My apple tree did flower in the spring, but it hasn't produced apples. Interesting. Is it just one apple tree, does she say? Uh, Kristen, just one apple tree. Yeah, well, that's why. So with, with apple trees, you need more than one apple tree. You need at least two uh, and preferably more apple trees of a different varieties to, to, to fertilise and pollinate each other. So... Um, what happens is, and it's our old friends, the bees and, and hoverflies and other pollinating insects, they fly into the flower on one tree and they, they'll go in search of nectar and pollen and they'll get pollen all over their wings, and their body and their their feet and then they'll fly into the flower of another tree and of course they'll they'll lose some of that pollen and it'll fall onto the, the flower of another tree, that's putting it very simply. And that that's how pollination happens. Uh, and with apple trees you need more than one variety to pollinate each other. It, you, you can get a bit more technical on it in that you need them from the same flowering group. So if you look at apple blossom time of the year, kind of April, May, Trish, you have in, that, that period is, is divided into three groups. So early season, mid season and late season, depending on the time of year or the time of the season that they flower. Um, so you actually need two that basically, to put it very simply, you need two that are in flower at the same time. Uh, and they should pollinate each other. It, it, that's that's a kind of a general guide. Yeah, that's yeah. why one on its own won't one on its own won't give you apples. I'm afraid. And st- stay with apple trees because Sheila in Mill Street has apple trees, and she doesn't know if they're cooking apples or eating apples. Uh, one is called L Star, and the other is called Discovery. Two people have told her they're cooking apples, but she doesn't know. Would you know if they're cooking apples or eating apples? L Star no, and Discovery. There was an old ad, Trish, I don't know who, what it was for, but do you remember the, the tagline was uh, suck it and see? Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah, what I was, comes I was to mind going, when I hear and, that and question. You'd, you'd kind of know by the shape of it as well. <laughs> you'd know, you'd, yeah. Well, you would by the shape of it, but I, but I can tell you anyway, Elstar and Discovery are both definitely eating apples. They're not cooking, they're eating apples and quite sweet. So, you, so, so she's okay on that one. And, she, and Sheila also has uh, rhubarb and wants to know what does she feed her rhubarb with? Uh, a couple of things to remember with rhubarb is number one give them a good mulch with good organic matter around the base of the plant Uh, you normally do that during the winter months but it pays dividends now because it stops the soil around the crown of the plant from drying out uh, in evaporation or sorry it it reduces it let's say Um, so give them a good mulch with something like uh, you could use seaweed you could use uh, rotted down farmyard manure or any good organic organic uh, material organic matter broken down as a mulch around the base of the plant uh, but also give them a feed with the liquid a liquid seaweed feed something like the nature safe uh, liquid seaweed that's the, the Galway one it's, it's made from um, what I'm always saying sustainably harvested seaweed which is important because uh, otherwise seaweed can take generations to grow back so the nature safe liquid seaweed is what I would use and they, they, they will thank you for it because they are quite hungry feeders 
Okay, stay on fruit. Uh, this is from uh, Dennis, who is contacting us from Oxford in England. I've got a pear tree with clusters of under-matured pears. Should I simply pick them off, says Dennis? Well, no, I, I wouldn't. I mean, oh, yeah, I, I see what Dennis is probably asking. Is he, should he pick off some of them yeah. and leave to, to, to leave the others to mature? nature kind of there's two schools of thought on this Trish nature kind of does its own thing you'd often notice at this time of the year kind of fruit drop uh, apple drop and and pear drop where uh, trees can somewhat unexplainedly just drop fruits and I I think it is and one of the theories and this is the theory that I kind of subscribe to is that the tree is dropping off excess fruits if you like uh, and and keeping enough fruit on the tree that it can bring to ripening stage, if you know what I mean. So what can happen is with a pear tree or an apple tree, when they are underdeveloped and there's a cluster of them, uh, that none of them mature properly, that they all stay small. So in that case, you can either leave it to nature, but if nature doesn't drop some of them, then yes, I probably would thin them out. So uh, where, where you have a cluster of maybe three or four, leave maybe one or maybe two um, so, so if nature doesn't do it or if she hasn't done it yet, then yeah, I'd probably do go out and do it by hand. How do, another listener, how do I get rid of brambles from under a hedge? With difficulty. Yeah, <laughs> it's, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Get down on your hands and knees, really. It's, it's, you know, it is a difficult job, but wear a good pair of gloves and, and long sleeves, obviously. It's a very re- rewarding job, Trish. Believe me, I've done it many times. When you pull out brambles and uh, you get one root system and it, it can clear up to 12 feet of brambles. Uh, but really, it's, it's the only way to do it, I'm afraid. It's a, it's a job to get down and dirty. Annette says, uh, hi Patricia, could you ask Peter, uh, what can I do to get rid of caterpillars out from my cabbage and broccoli? Thanking you in advance. You can get a product which is an excellent product and it's made by Grazers, which is a UK company, but it's widely available. Uh, And Grazers make a range of environmentally sound products based on calcium, different formulations of calcium. And what that does is, or what what the products do is, they, they, they kind of, which is all important. They help the plants to to prevent to help themselves, if you like, to prevent the pests attacking them. Uh, and as I'm always saying to you, Tricia, in, in in the garden, it's what's vitally important is that we maintain this natural balance. Okay, and what that means in effect is that by ensuring a wide variety of species exist in our garden, both plant and animal species, that prevents the artificial build-up of any one species. Okay, so if you go out now, for example, with an insecticide. To, to, which I'm not recommending, obviously, to, to spray off those caterpillars. You'll spray off the caterpillars, but you'll also spray off a lot of their predators. You'll also kill off, rather, a lot of their predators. And the caterpillar population will, will grow back much quicker than that of their predators. So you've upset the natural balance. So it's far better to try and use products that will help the plants to become resistant so that you're not killing any of the species. Grazers does that because the calcium in it makes the plants totally unpalatable to whatever pest we're trying to control. In this case, it's caterpillars and cabbage fly and things like that. So grazers do one for cabbage fly and caterpillars, and that's what I would get get and spray it on your, your cabbage and your broccoli. Well done. Eddie's on the Model Farm Road. He said his lilies are out at the moment, but he wants to know what to do with the dead brown flowers. Do I leave them or do I take them away, says Eddie? Uh, you can leave them fall in their own time or, or just cut them off. But what's important is that you leave the stem as it goes brown. 
uh, and it starts dying back into the bulb, you leave that die away naturally. So if you remove the stem, because all the goodness is going back into the bulb for next year's growth when the, when the stem is dying back. And if you cut it off prematurely and when it's green, you're just stopping all that from going back into the bulb. So the flower, it's just to do with aesthetics, really. You can either leave it fall off in its own time or chop it off. Uh, but the stem, you would need to leave die off naturally. Hi, this is from Kathleen in Kisgame, who has a Portuguese laurel. It was planted in 2018. It looks like it's dying now from the bottom up. There's only a few green leaves on it. What would Peter recommend for a Japan a Portuguese laurel? I would say in the first instance, send us in a picture. We'll have a look at it to try and be a bit more certain on it. But I, it, it sounds, if it's 2018, it's in year three. It's still possible that it, it, it was drought damage at some point. Now, it's hard to believe that it was drought damage any time in the last 12 months, but it is possible. It's more likely, though, without seeing it now, I have to say, I haven't seen it, so I can't say for sure, but it sounds more likely that it's got some kind of fungal infection which is causing to that leaf drop, um, in which case I would treat it with the copper sulfate, copper sulfate mixed with water, remove the any infected growth where possible. So obviously it's easier to do that if, if it's the dying is from the top down as opposed to the other way around. So it may just be a case of removing diseased material from around the base of the plant. So if there's any leaves on the ground around the hedge that, that uh, may have yellow or black or anything on the leaves, remove them and dump them drench the area it's not so much the, the hedge you want to, 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 to drench but the soil around it uh, with a solution of the copper sulfate and water uh, and then feed it feed the hedge with the, again the nature safe liquid seaweed to give give it give it every chance of becoming resistant to it margaret is wondering uh, she said can i cover daffodils with plastic until september to keep the weeds at bay absolutely not no, <laughs> no i definitely wouldn't be covering it any part of the garden like the in easy plastic. way out of yeah. gardening no, I absolutely no. wouldn't be covering the garden with any part of plastic. Um, I, I, I guess she means in a bed where you have daffodils and you don't want other stuff to come up. So yes, the principle of what you're trying to do makes sense, but you can do it without using plastic. So uh, just get get some bark mulch or get some um, uh, bark. What you want to do is you see if you cut off light and oxygen to the soil, nothing can germinate, Trish. Okay, so you can do that by putting down plastic, but of course you're polluting the soil. Uh, you can also use it by applying a correct depth of mulch. So one or two inches of mulch is, is pointless. But if you put down gravel or bark or any organic matter to a depth of three or four inches, then no weeds will germinate underneath it. So that's what I would do. You could also, if you wanted to, uh, get old newspaper, old newspapers and wet them so that they form a sodden mass, put that on the ground, uh, and that will stop anything germinating beneath them. And you can just throw a, a, a lighter layer of bark or something on top of that for aesthetics and to, to, to weigh it down. But no, I wouldn't go using plastic. Joe says, my lawn is infested with moss and thatch. What time of year is best to scarify? Will it be necessary to reseed it afterwards? If so, what seed would Peter recommend? The best time of year to scarify it. So what scarifying does, in effect, is like a mechanical rake where you're ripping up the thatch and the moss, physically ripping up it up off the soil surface. The best time of year to do it is, is March because you could, the, the, you, the, the lawn has a chance to recover and look well quite quickly at that time of the year because the temperatures are increasing. Definitely don't do it at the moment because of the, the, this lovely hung, long hot dry spell, which, as I say, is going to go on for six months. So don't do it at the moment. Um, but the next best month after March is September. 
so scarify it in September. Will it need seeding afterwards or not? Depends on each lawn, Trish. So it depends on how much comes off, if you like. So if, if you're left with 10% grass, then yes, you will need to reseed it. But um, it, So it just depends on how heavy it is. Uh, and I would reseed it if necessary with the, it, just a general purpose lawn, lawn seed mixture. It's the number two mixture. It's a Department of Agriculture mixture, number two. You, don't, you want something with no annual meadow grass, really. Um, but that's what I would go and use. Okay, and uh, where's the next one gone? Um, oh, hi. Is it a good idea to feed a new hedge with 10, 10, 20? And if so, can I do it now? Uh, no, I wouldn't feed anything with that kind of chemical fertilizers like that but at this time of the year. I, I, I don't have much experience, being honest, with the, the agricultural ones, the 10, 10, 20s and 7, 6, 17. Um, 10, 10, 20 is high in potassium, so it would be good for root development. Probably be a good thing, better thing to use during um, um, the winter when you want to establish good root development and less growth over the ground. Don't apply anything now, but you you would also end up you would also you could also end up burning the hedge by using too much of it. So it's they're, they're not products I'm particularly familiar with. To be honest with you, uh, we would use kind of different mixes in the, in the world of horticulture. But I would. Um, I would err on the side of not using it and just concentrating on water for this year. It's a new hedge, so the most important thing it will need is water. Okay. Hi, uh, Patricia. Could you ask Peter, what's the best solution to remove moss from my tarmac? I've tried lots and lots of products, but guess what? It keeps coming back. (laughs) I know you're going to get a plethora of calls and texts after this with suggestions like apparently the little washing powder and things like this work. And... um, but the, 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 in the question, you've kind of answered it a bit in your question, I'm afraid. Guess what? It keeps coming back. It will keep coming back. We, it must thrive in areas which are, are damp and mild. Uh, and the Irish climate is just that. It's a damp and mild climate. So moss will always be a problem. You won't prevent it, but you can get rid of it when it comes, all right? So using things like Jay's Fluid and things like that will, will, will get it. And, but there are far safer products to use. There's one on the market. I think it's called Algon, if I'm right. I'm fairly sure that's an Irish product uh, that is, if not organic, it's certainly environmentally sound. It may be organic. I'm not sure. But I think that I know that's a good one because I've used it. Uh, but also then, when I say you can't prevent it, you can't prevent it long term. But there is, I know Moscow have a fabulous product, which I've used several times. Moscow do a probiotic. It's an environmentally sound one. It's a probiotic. I think they call it moss killer. I don't find it brilliant as a moss killer, but it's brilliant as a moss preventative. So when you've got it cleaned with using your algon or whatever, put on then the Moscow probiotic, and it does keep it clean for up to 12 months. But as I say, uh, it's a perennial problem. If you're that's the, the yeah, and if you get in, it for 12 in, months, in that's the, the best you could, you could hope for. Okay, yes, and, as good as you get. Uh, and by email, recommendations please from Peter for a compost bin and a drain disinfectant. The drain disinfectant, well, I don't know about drains, but I know that the, uh, Growing Success is a brand name. Growing Success do an organic garden disinfectant. So that's the best suggestion. That's that's a good one. That's the, the best I can give you for, in terms of drains. Um, compost bins, there are so many of them on the market. The important thing when you're looking is to remember that the, the whole principle of composting, the two most important principles of composting are number one, that you use a good mixture of materials so that you don't fill it all, let's say, with the lawn mowings, for example, Trish. Equally, you don't fill it all with, with twigs because... Uh, the twigs will be, there's too much air getting at it, so it'll take forever to break down. And the, lawn, the lawn mowings are the opposite. There's no air getting at it, so it'll take forever to break down. So you want a good mixture of material. 
is the first thing with the, with um, composting. But the second thing is that you need to, to agitate it. You need to turn the compost. So the composting process works. It builds up to, to a temperature in the center, which breaks down the material. But the outside of it is always quite cold. So you need to turn it every so often to get the outside into the center, if that makes sense. Now, with these bins, and I don't know how these bins were ever invented as compost bins, you know, just kind of like your upside down bin with, mm. no, um, with no bottom to it. I don't know how they were ever used as compost bins because you can't agitate it, you can't get at it and dig it, and, and the, 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 I find them no good. So when you're looking for a compost bin, I would always look for one that rotates so you can get compost tumblers. Uh, I know you you can pay a lot of money for some of them. Some of them, I think they're called the fat pig. They're very, very good. Yeah, it looks like you're you can rotating pay the, bingo balls. A lot of money. It's like the Correct, thing, exactly. Yeah, the yeah, National yeah. Battery Draw Dome is yeah, what I always yeah, describe it as. Yeah. But you can get cheaper compost tumblers. Uh, just bear in mind um, that they do need to have holes in them because I know there. I've seen some on the market which have no holes and that leads to anaerobic conditions inside which you don't want. Okay. It's just going to be a smelly smelly thing that doesn't going to work. But oh. get, look for a compost bin that, that rotates. Okay, listen, have a great week. And uh, we'll talk to you, and next, you, thanks, we'll talk to you next week. That is uh, Peter Dowdle of the IrishGardener.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.